I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, I think he might, maybe, maybe not getting his sushi ready order for the week. It's Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, what's going on? I'm over here like Zeke Elliott, just going like this to all the sushi. (laughs) If you don't know what we're talking about, Jerry asked for his mailbag questions this week on Blackheart Gold Pants and mentioned that... If all goes south, he'll be ordering three pounds of sushi to uh, consume to console himself after the game. And there are some people on the comment section who were not big fans of that move and asked if he even football broed. And uh, apparently, it's a hot topic. So, People's Champs also with us. David Johnson Champ, how are you? What are your sushi thoughts? I'm great, but I'm sorry, Jerome. I'm going to have to agree with these people. I mean, sushi is not a binge meal. I mean, how about going out, getting yourself an extra large pizza, getting yourself 30, 40 wings and binging on that instead of, oh, let me get a couple salmon rolls and a California roll and a spicy volcano. Weak. That's not a binge meal. First of all, I don't eat California rolls. I'm not a 12-year-old girl that doesn't like fish. Second, if it's good enough for Dwayne The Rock Johnson to eat three pounds of a platter and some and some cookies to, and watch Netflix on a Sunday, you're damn right it's good enough for me. Yeah, well, why don't you get to the Dwayne The Rock Johnson size, muscular-wise, then you can eat like him. How about that? I'm swole as fuck, swear jar. Yeah, not even close to The Rock status, bro. Sorry. People's Champ and Jer are feisty this week. It's going to be a good show. Guys, subscribe to the Blackheart Gold Pants podcast feed wherever you guys get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. Drop us a voicemail, 224-661-0909. Leave us a voicemail during the Wisconsin game, during other Big Ten games. During any other college football game, anything the Iowa basketball game, humorous Iowa basketball games, and so rest of college basketball games, whatever you want, drop us a voicemail, leave your thoughts, leave them short, 30 seconds. That way we can clip the best parts, put them all together, and play them all as long as we get enough of them. Again, that number is 224 661 0909. Leave a voicemail at any time. We'll compile them and we'll put them together and play the best ones during the show. Guys, I teased this last week. We're going to follow up on it right now. We have an Amazon Echo Dot to give away, and the way we're going to do this because we had such a good fe- we had such good feedback to our show last week, where we took movie quotes and compared them to Iowa basketball players to preview the basketball season. We want to give you guys the opportunity to pull your own movie basketball or movie quotes, tying it back 
to how you think the basketball season is going to go for the Hawkeyes this season. So the way we want this is in the podcast store on Apple, leave a five-star rating and a review in the uh, your quote in the review section. Screenshot that and tweet it at us at BHGP, at Stripe People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, or at Dave Cray. We'll compile all the best ones and we'll pick the best one and we'll give this the winner of this an Amazon Echo Dot. And I'm willing to sweeten the pot a little bit here, folks. This is on the fly. These two don't even know about this yet. I'm willing to give you all a $100 Amazon gift card to go with the Echo Dot. If you also leave another review saying that Champ's wrong about sushi, screenshot that, send it just to him, implode his inbox on Twitter with just nothing but great sushi takes and tell him that he's AKA hashtag wrong. I mean, I love sushi. That's not the argument. It's a... And not a binge meal, though, after a loss. I'm sorry. So you have two different ways to win some prizes. Leave us a five-star rating and a review with the directions that we have there. And we'll fill those. We'll throw the instructions up on Twitter and, and probably in Jerry's post on Blackheart Gold Pants. But again, winner gets an Amazon Echo Dot and a potentially an Amazon gift card. If you have uh, some good creative thoughts, send them our way on Twitter. Guys, to kick the show off this week with our Outside Zone question... We're going to pull back the curtain a little bit here. We are having a group text with a couple other buddies, and one of our buddies asked us, what is a midweek check-in? What's your confidence going into this game against Wisconsin? Give us a percentage of, of how confident you are going into this game in the middle of the week. So we all chipped in, gave us different percentages, went back and forth a little bit. The people's champ, though, he says he's going into this week with a different mindset. So I'm going to give the floor to Champ and let him walk through what his mindset is. Champ, the floor is yours. So my mindset going into this one is going to be a little different than my usual going into games. And I'm sorry, it's a negative fucking mindset. Going into this game, I don't have a positive mindset about Nate Stanley and about the Iowa Hawkeye offense in specific. I don't think that Nate Stanley is going to have a great game. He has not proven to me otherwise in any big game of his career don't throw out the Ohio State game last year that was a home game I'm talking about going on the road and winning a Big Ten game against a ranked team Nate Stanley has never done that and coming into this game I'm not going to get my hopes up and get all excited and talk about how this week's going to be different and I'm not going to be Jerry Sherwin and talk about how he's going to throw five touchdowns and how he's going to be great. He's also, mind you, the last two weeks, he was just supposed to have thrown four touchdowns in each of those games. That hasn't happened to our, our great you know predictor over here, Jerry Sherwin. I'm not going to go in there with those type of, those t- those type of uh, thoughts are not going to enter my head. I'm going to go into this game being a realist. I'm sorry. I just don't see it happening. Until Nate Stanley proves, proves otherwise, I'm going to go into this game with that kind of mindset. And people may not like it, but that's me. I don't give a fuck. Are you insane? This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard you say, and I've known you for the better part of 10 years at this point, and you say some insane things on a daily basis. We're talking about a human being that continuously, for an hour-long car ride to Atlantic City this weekend we were together, tried telling me that the White Sox are going to be in contention next year, and you're going to now tell me that you're going to now, quote-unquote, stop believing? This is the song you march to all the time. You karaoke this song. You love this song. And now, because 
ooh, little David doesn't want to believe in the Iowa Hawkeyes all of a sudden, and Nate Stanley doesn't throw enough touchdowns for him. You're going to not believe in Phil Parker in this defense. You're going to completely slam the door on your boy Amir Smith-Marset. You're going to not root for Tyler Goodson and Sam Laporta? Are you crazy? First of all, when did any of those names get mentioned in my rant, and when did I ever say anything about the defense? You don't believe in Nate, that's it. So now we're going to lose just because of Nate. I mean, it's just it's a one-person game. It's kind of important to have your quarterback play well on the road against a, a good Big Ten team. And I don't believe in Nate. I don't think he's going to do that. What? Let me ask you this, Jerome. When in his career has Nate Stanley ever gone on the road and performed well? When? What At gives Iowa you, State his sophomore year. What gives belief that, he, that, quote from you, 99.92% confident in the in That's Iowa raised, by the way. Week? What I mean, what does I would love to know what gives you that sort of confidence, except for blind faith. I'm sorry, I'm not going into this game with blind faith. I do it too much in my sporting life, and I'm not doing it this week. Why are you changing now? Is my question. Because I'm sick of it. All that's all I do is I go in, and then I'm so happy, and I'm so excited, and then the teams just continuously shit on me. And then teams go and put up one rushing yard in in Philadelphia while we're all there in person. Yep. I mean, I don't, I don't hate champs being a realist. I, this is kind of, this is my, this is kind of on my street, my street corner here, champ. But Jerry's right. You are, you are the forever optimist, week in and week out. You talk yourself into all of your teams, and so I find it strange that going into the game, the Wisconsin, who we arguably match up with consistently as the same exact team every week in and week out, you're going to choose to just not go in with rose-colored glasses here. Yeah, that's my choice, and I'm sticking to it. I'm sorry, but that's that's how I'm looking at the game this week, and, uh, and we're going to see what happens. Don't let this man fool you at home. This is the biggest reverse jinx I've ever seen in my entire life. He's smirking through all this. He doesn't believe his own bullshit. He knows that we don't either. He's literally laughing right now. You all can't see him, but he's dying because he knows he's full of shit. I guarantee you by Saturday morning, there's going to be some sort of like tweet that's going to come out or some sort of video. We're going to send it to each other and Champ's going to clap his hands and he's going to do something like this. Ready for it, guys? Oh, yeah, baby. Hawkeyes are winning this game. I don't even give a shit about Nate Stanley's road record. Wisconsin sucks. Iowa, 100 to nothing. I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm not going to say you guys might be on to something, but, I mean, we'll see. We'll just see what happens. I don't know. To also tell you guys that he doesn't believe this, he is, he's been debating taking a night off of work because I think he secretly knows that they're winning this game. He doesn't want to get him, let his hopes up. That may or may not be true as well. I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see till Saturday night, and then a lot is going to play out, not only in the mindset of the people's champ, but in the right arm of Nate Stanley. We're, we're going to see. This is a big game for his career. We're going to see what he can do. All right, so we got a special guest this week to help us preview the Wisconsin game. Tyler Hunt over at Bucky's fifth quarter, SB Nation's Wisconsin blog was nice enough to join us for a like a 30-minute conversation to kind of talk about this game, Wisconsin overall as a program, Wisconsin fans' thoughts on Brad Bielema, his favorite Wisconsin running back uh, uh, historically, and uh, just some other kind of fun, different Wisconsin topics that we could figure we'd kick around with him. So uh, we'll cut over that interview right now after a quick break, and uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. 
This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. See, the show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are joined by Tyler Hunt from Bucky's Fifth Quarter quarter espionations wisconsin blog uh he's been nice enough to join us to give us a little bit of a deeper insight into the wisconsin game this weekend tyler how's it going good how are you guys excited uh for this big uh, obviously crucial big 10 matchup so really excited to have it in camp randall and uh not being kinnick stadium because that's always a tough place for us to play but uh either way uh excited to get it going and uh, appreciate you guys having me on yeah, no, thanks so much for having us uh, or have, for joining us. Uh, we'll uh, get right into it because I think we're all really excited for this. But uh, you kind of started off the question with me yesterday, so I'll, I'll throw it back to you. What is your fan base's mentality going into this game after having back-to-back losses at Illinois and Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fan base overall got got a little out over its skis after those first few games. See, coming into the season after 2018, uh, there was a lot of question marks about where this team would be. And I think uh, if you would have got to this point with two losses, uh, it wouldn't have been that surprising at the beginning of the year because you had teams like Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State all on the schedule. Now, granted, one loss to Illinois is probably makes it a little worse. Um, but overall, I still think morale is strong. I think the second bye week came at a really good time for this team. Uh, you know, you, you had the back-to-back losses, but now you've got a, a week to reset and get your things together and, and your goals are still in front of you with this big 10 West uh, division. Obviously uh, they think the college football playoff is out of the question, but realistically uh, was Wisconsin going to make that playoff? Probably not. I mean, there, there's really only a handful of teams that realistically could have gotten that to that point. And I know people were of course excited with that hot start, but at the same time, you've still got some goals in front of you. You can still win this West division and, and maybe you get a chance to take out an Ohio State or Penn State and get to a Rose Bowl. You know, I think you'd be very happy with a Rose Bowl uh, appearance. So I think that's definitely the ultimate goal uh, of this team. But uh, morale is definitely probably dipped a little bit. But overall, I, I think it's in a good place. And I think Wisconsin fans after this bye week are understanding of just where they're at, you know, given the season so far. All right, Tyler, uh, why do you think Wisconsin historically has been just behind the college football blue buds? blue bloods year in and year out you know that's a, that's an interesting question i think uh wisconsin has always recruited well on the you know the offensive and defensive lines i think obviously that's been their strength forever uh, and of course uh, they can land those quality running backs and compete there uh, but i think part of it that, that really holds wisconsin back is their ability uh, to recruit and, and land those big names firstly at the quarterback position and, and then of course in the receiver position uh, you know, when you run, you know, a style that Wisconsin does, where you're primarily going to run the football, you're going to land the recruiting, you know, you know, the hot guys uh, in recruiting at running back, and then obviously the important players on the offensive line. But 
uh, you know, as a skill position recruit, you're probably not going to be looking at to Wisconsin when you've got those bigger offers from from schools like Ohio State or Michigan that that tend to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, so I think that part has heard of it. And then, of course, you know, I, as Iowa and, and other schools up here in the north uh, have attested to, it's hard to recruit guys uh, out of this area, you know, out of uh, other areas because, frankly, it's cold. It's it's tough to be up here in November and December. It's dark at you know, four o'clock in the afternoon and it's cold, uh, you know, a, a large chunk of the year. So anytime uh, you're, you're coming up here, you've got to be able to put your winter coat on. And I think that it hurts recruiting overall. But I, I think Wisconsin has it started to take some steps to at least try and level the playing field. Uh, and I think it's improved with these last couple of recruiting classes. Yeah, both of those things are things that Iowa struggles with as well, obviously. I mean, we're primarily a running team this year. Obviously, we've got some wide receivers to look at, but I mean, we've had those issues in the past, so I can I can definitely see that coming from you guys as well. It's 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 something that we struggle with uh, along with you guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think most I think most Big Ten West teams would agree to that. And you know, it's it's just one of those things that uh, you've got to battle through, and, and maybe you you try to land those. I mean, both Wisconsin and Iowa have had success with players because they get them in and develop. You know, you're not always going to land those big recruits. So you got to have coaches that can that can turn these you know quality players out. Yeah, absolutely. And I and kind of going off that, we talk a lot on the show about, you know, why Iowa and Wisconsin aren't actually equals. I think there's a lot of time spent where we kind of consider each other cousins, like the program that Wisconsin built. It kind of resembles what Kirk Ferentz has done. But then recently you guys have taken the next step forward. And that's a step that we as Iowa fans wish that they would do. Like you mentioned with the development uh, development of the running back and the offensive line positions, you guys are now attacking those types of four-star, five-star kids instead of just hoping that you guys will develop some of those, you know, two-star underdeveloped kids that you'll have in Wisconsin that are just ginormous. So we, we are very envious of that. But I'm wondering from like a Wisconsin standpoint, what are some certain things that you guys might be jealous of the Iowa program that maybe we just don't see because we're too close to the program? Yeah, I mean, I, I still think of, you know, these two teams and programs as really similar. I think what you guys, uh, you know, do uh, is I, I really think you guys do well uh, on the interior and on the offensive and defensive lines. I, I don't think Wisconsin has recruited on the defensive line as well as Iowa does. You know, you guys have got probably two, you know, first rounders possibly if, you know, if both of them were, go, were to go pro on there. And then you guys have had some really quality players in the secondary. You know, I'm thinking of Amani Hooker from last year. Uh, where Wisconsin really hasn't landed those type of guys. I think if there's uh, one position that Wisconsin really struggles to recruit outside of the quarterback position, and obviously, you know, Graham Mertz has helped improve that, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. But um, the secondary has been that. You've seen, uh, you know, when they've taken on teams like Ohio State or Michigan, you've seen the difference in speed and athleticism uh, between our secondary and, and those types of wide receivers. Uh, so landing players like that, I think, is probably uh, the biggest area that uh, that Wisconsin would like to get closer to. And, uh, you know, overall, I, I think Wisconsin as a whole is happy with where they're at. Uh, I wouldn't want anyone else, you know, coaching this team. I think Paul Chris is the perfect coach for this team. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm sure Iowa fans feel the same way with with how long Kirk Ferentz has been there. But uh, I would I would say, you know, draft or not drafting, uh, but recruiting at those positions has probably been uh, the biggest uh you know, stranglehold for the Badgers uh, in this uh, Paul Chris tenure. Why do you think that is? I, I mean, I'm just kind of curious on why you think that they're not landing those types of recruits. Because I think from our perspective, especially on the defense, you guys have been really solid the last several years. I mean, Iowa's had 
really hard time trying to put up any points against the Badgers at this point. So from your perspective, what do you think it is that they're missing on for the, from that type of recruiting? You know, I think it's uh, I think it's part of it that uh, players don't again don't haven't looked at Wisconsin as this this strong brand. You you, know, you always look at Wisconsin and you see you think nine to ten wins, good team, but not a great team. And and if players get that opportunity to play at a a great team, you know, like an SEC school that, that consistently does well, uh, they'll usually jump at that. Now Wisconsin has established a little bit of a pipeline uh, in that Florida area to recruit. You know, that secondary position that's gotten better. Um, but at the same time, you know, still you're you're going to have struggles landing those guys if you if you don't uh, you know have that scheme and that uh, program set up. So they've done better at it. They've landed some few guys from the last two classes. I mean, last year Wisconsin secondary was incredibly young, uh, but they've developed over the last few years. And there's a lot of guys that people are excited about. And I think the biggest part that's helped that and, and had this defensive strength has been Jim Leonard as the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I might be biased, but I think Jim Leonard is one of the best defensive minds in the country. And I think it's going to be really hard to keep him, uh, you know, as the D.C., given what Wisconsin does with their coordinators, uh, where, they're, where they're not getting that huge money. You saw Dave Aranda and Justin Wilcox jump to bigger jobs. And I know Jim Leonard really loves Wisconsin and wants to be here. But, you know, given how strong his mind is, I think it's going to be hard to keep him around. But uh, I certainly hope they do, because he's really helped uh, revitalize this program and this defense. Let's uh, let's have you kind of take that defensive coordinator uh, hat on for a second from uh, from Coach Leonard and Wisconsin's running game is, is elite. It's been elite. a year in year out. It doesn't matter who's kind of in the backfield run those balls. Jonathan Taylor is is the guy right now. How would you or how should teams scheme against the Wisconsin offense and specifically Jonathan Taylor? Well, I think you've seen it, you know, these last couple weeks, and and even with Wisconsin, you know, obviously they they played really well against Michigan State, but they didn't run the ball that well. It was a lot of that was Jack Cohn hitting some quality passes, and I, even the Northwestern game, the Badgers didn't run the ball as dominating they have. So, you know, in most of the games, they haven't ran the ball the way they should, and I think. I think that's because defensive coordinators uh, and and minds alike are saying, you know what, we're not going to let Jonathan Taylor, you know, beat us. We're going to put, you know, seven guys in the box. We're going to stack the box. We're going to play gap sound, and we're just going to make Jack Cohn make those throws and make Wisconsin do something a little different and out of their comfort zone uh, to beat us. And I think I think that's how you have to do it, uh, given that Jonathan Taylor really is. Obviously, one of the top you know running backs to ever come through Wisconsin, and teams have gotten beaten by him before. And I think at the end of the you know coming into the game, you say, okay, we're definitely not going to stop this guy completely. He's too talented to to be shut down completely, other than against Northwestern, who always seems to has have his number. Um, but I think they just say, you know what, we're not going to let Jonathan Taylor beat us. We're going to put guys in there to stop him, and we're going to make Wisconsin uh, get uncomfortable and throw the ball. And you know, I think back to the. Iowa Wisconsin last game last year, you know, Jonathan Taylor had the yards to sustain drives, uh, but he didn't you know, score any touchdowns. The only way Wisconsin was was scoring uh, points in that game was by throwing the football and doing something that is out of uh, their comfort zone. So I think I think really that's the key is just try to contain him um, and, and force Wisconsin to do something else and and you hope for the best, so to say. I was going to bring up last year's game right as you mentioned that because I think that's what that was the Iowa game plan that wanted Alex Hornibrook to beat them and he. Uh, Orange Bowl did. Hornybrook. <laughs> he got that was, an elite Hornybrook I, game. I was thinking back, you know, on our podcast the other day when we were doing our preview and we were talking about that, and that was really probably one of the best Alex Hornybrook games we got. So it was unfortunate Ugh. timing 
<laughs> for you guys. But uh, soon after that, it, it really went downhill. So uh, and it, I think it was just a tough spot for that Iowa defense and, and Horny Brooks, probably one of his better games of his career. So. So pivoting to that, does Jack Cohn have the presence that Alex Hornibrook not necessarily always showed to beat teams like Ohio State uh, in a game like the Big Ten Championship? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if he's got the presence uh, to beat in Ohio State. I think I think I don't think that's a knock on Jack by any means, but we saw it last week. I don't know if anyone's beating Ohio State uh, given the talent that they've got, and uh, you know we were leaving we were leaving guys like Jake Ferguson one on one to try and block Chase Young. That's just not going to work, and and I don't think that's Jack's fault. I think that's you know more of a game plan fault, but. Uh, I, I've liked what Jack Cohn has, has brought to the table this season. You know, he, he had a lot of pressure on him uh, in the spring and, and the last year, knowing that the, you know the big name of Graham Merch was coming in and the fan base was really clamoring for him. Uh, but Cohn you know, stood in there and faced the adversity. And early in the season, uh, he was hitting a lot of passes. He's very efficient and he's taking care of the football. And uh, unfortunately, these last two weeks, that that has kind of caught up with them. The Badgers have turned it over five times in those two losses. Uh, which can't happen, and, and early in the season it wasn't happening. Um, so I think he's efficient enough to do it uh, and, and maybe keep a game close. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you, I've always said, you know, Wisconsin really just needs a game manager if they're running the ball well, uh, but you just can't turn it over the way Alex Hornibrook did uh, the, the two seasons before that. So I, I don't know if he has uh, the wherewithal to, to knock off an Ohio State or a Penn State, uh, but I think that if he plays his efficient type game, uh, he could certainly keep you in a football game that way. So with all that said, how much longer can he hold off a guy like Graham Mertz? You know, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, in the spring ball, obviously everyone was excited for Graham Mertz. He's the highest you know recruit that Wisconsin's ever landed at the quarterback position and, and probably the biggest quarterback name since that one year of Russell Wilson. But, yeah, I, I went to a couple practices when I got the chance, and you saw flashes from Mertz where you can see where he's going to develop and be a really solid quarterback. But you also saw that – he was a true freshman, and he, he missed some throws. He made some mistakes, uh, and that's just more so him learning and developing. Now, granted, we haven't seen him in practice and we, uh, since then and because, you know, they're closed off to the media that way. And then, of course, you, you, don't, you haven't really seen him a lot of in-game action. I think they've worked him into two games, but he hasn't uh, gotten in, you know, you know, a ton of big plays where you could really see his skills that shown off. Now, if if there came a chance, uh, you know, if, if was I think if Wisconsin were to lose this game and all of a sudden, uh, you know, their goals of the Big Ten West and the Big Ten Championship were were out of out of sight, uh, I think maybe you could see Graham Mertz getting worked in there. But I think his his full plan is to redshirt this season, and you know, they, he was asked about that earlier in the season, and he was fine with it. He he wanted to get a better grasp of the playbook. But from a sheer talent perspective, I, I think, you know, yes, like, you know, next season, I think you know, it's going to be a real competition between Cone and Merch, just given that hopeful jump that you get from year one to year two in a system like Wisconsin. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, now let's talk about our much maligned Nate Stanley for us Hawkeye fans. On this show alone, we go back and forth all the time with love and hate for Nate Stanley. One of the three of us is always loving him, and the, the other two of us are not so much. Uh, as, a, as a Wisconsin's fan point of view, what, what do you guys think of Nate Stanley? Do you have any fear of him going into this game? We just kind of want to see an outside point of view uh, for a Wisconsin fan on your thoughts of Nate Stanley. Sure, sure. I mean, I think there's certainly fear given, you know, if you look at the numbers, at least from what I've seen, that Nate Stanley kind of is the Iowa offense, and you've seen – uh, you know what he can do in those type of games and in those situations where the, the ball is probably going to be in his hands to make plays and win. You know, I think back to the 2017 game in Madison where where he just 
Uh, he couldn't get anything going given you know, the defensive pressure. Uh, but last year, he really did some things uh, to, to exploit Wisconsin in that secondary. And granted, the Wisconsin secondary was pretty young at that time last year and, and inexperienced. But I think off the play action, you know, Stanley looked really well in, in that game. And he's got that big arm uh, where he can hit the deep balls. And he certainly did that against Wisconsin last year. So there's certainly fear. I mean, he, he's got the arm. Uh, he's got the wherewithal as a quarterback uh, to get that job done. And you never, I guess, uh, from an Iowa perspective, it sounds like you guys never really know what Nate Stanley you're going to get. But if you get that good one, it's scary as an opposing defense for sure. Yeah, we're, we're waiting really for the Ohio that good State. One shows up. Yeah, we're waiting for the Ohio State version from uh, 2017 <laughs> to come back. I don't blame you. I mean, he's he, he showed a lot in that game. I was I was thinking about that one the other day, and and just how dominating uh, that game was. And I was thinking back to it. I was like, man, that that Iowa game was something special when they when they beat Ohio State. I would. I would love to have that happen for the Badgers because the Buckeyes have had our number uh, for for a long time now. Now, Tyler, let's switch over. We we kind of discussed the quarterbacks here. We touched on Jonathan Taylor a little bit, but there's been no shortage of Badger running backs in recent history. I'm just kind of curious for you personally, who has been your favorite Badger running back to watch? Um, I mean, there's there has been so many, but I really I have to go with Melvin Gordon. Um, you know, he was just. Um, the, the way he did it, obviously every Wisconsin running back the, uh, for the last decade plus has had these had these big games and these big moments. You think of like a John Clay who was dominating, but Melvin Gordon was really something special in his whole time at Wisconsin. You know, he, he developed from the, the number two option into the time, you know, obviously the top option uh, later on in his career. But it seemed like every time Melvin touched the ball, he really had that opportunity where you, you almost expected him to bust a big run and score. Uh, just given the speed that he had, I, you know, I think back to I think one of my favorite Camp Randall moments was his game uh, where he ran for 400 yards against Nebraska uh, in the snow a night game at Camp Randall. You can't really beat that. So I would definitely, you know, I've got a lot of love for a lot of different Wisconsin running backs, given how talented they can get at that position. But uh, MG3 is is definitely my favorite. So this actually it's kind of funny. Kirk Ferentz is doing his radio show a little bit ago and was asked uh, about Jonathan Taylor and said it's one of his he's one of the top three running backs that he's coached against in his career with Saquon Barkley and uh, Christian McCaffrey being the other ones. And I think he misspoke with McCaffrey with or someone asked him what McCaffrey was, if it was like related to Fran. And he goes, no, it's the one who ran 900 yards uh, against us in the Rose Bowl. So I, I think Jonathan Taylor's in pretty good, pretty good company in terms of Kirk Ferentz and, and who he's worried about this weekend. Oh, yeah. I mean, JT has really developed into a solid back, too. And I think in a, you give him a few years uh, and you look back with some nostalgia on his career, it'll be it'll be pretty solid. But right now, I think uh, that nostalgia factor still sits with Melvin Gordon. But they're, they're all extremely talented for sure. Tyler, you kind of mentioned a uh, top five top moment in Camp Randall Stadium. But this is something off the cuff here that I've always just really wondered about. What is it with the student section showing up really late? Is it just the tailgates are that good? You know, there was actually it was that's funny you say that because there was actually a, a article and a news part on that uh, at one of our local stations up in Madison, and they were trying to trying to divulge the answers of what caused that. And I think that they kind of attributed it to that, but I don't think that's the whole case. I think one of the problems with the student section is obviously you get that voucher and. And they really have no incentive to show up early because they can, you know, hang out and tailgate. And then at the same time, you get the, you get a voucher that you have to exchange. And then that just kind of 
uh, bogs up the whole system and keeps guys in there. So we actually wrote an article over on Bucky's fifth quarter kind of reviewing that news piece of, of what was right about it and what was wrong uh, in our eyes. We have one writer who was really passionate about it and, and wrote a really good article. So if you guys have time, I'd, I'd love, I'd recommend uh, checking that out. But, you know, obviously drinking plays a huge part in it. We're in Wisconsin. And we've got uh, some of the drunkest cities in the country. So <laughs> get, people need to get their alcohol in. And then, of course, the early kickoffs, it's hard to do it. In that team, but or uh, in that time frame, but they're certainly going to try, and I, <laughs> I, and I don't blame students for for doing it. They they know what uh, they want to get out of their college experience for sure. Well, you you could tell some of those students just to chill to like mid second quarter for this game. We <laughs> wouldn't have any problem with that. We don't need the crowd getting too crazy early on. We saw how Nate Stanley did last time he went to Camp Randall, and it was ugly. So yeah, just go ahead and let those students know. Stay out there till hey, they can stay out till till halftime. That's fine with us. <laughs> It, it sometimes gets like that. I mean, there'll be there'll be times where a second quarter kicks around and it's still not close to full. And it's disappointing because uh, I have season tickets. I sit on the other side, so it just looks like a big empty gap. Uh, but when they do get in there and get rocking and they've got, you know, that alcohol in their system, it can get pretty loud. So it, it's a lot of fun to be at Camp Randall for sure. Camp Randall is an intense place. But uh, let's let's go back again. You went with favorite running backs. Let's go to a former coach, Brett Bielema. What's what are Wisconsin fans' feelings with Brett Bielema right now? Do you still believe in the whole hashtag karma that his wife tweeted when he first went to Arkansas? What's up with Brett Bielema and Wisconsin fans right now? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know, obviously Bielema, you know, left on some some rocky terms. You know, it, it definitely upset the fan base after going to three straight Rose Bowls and. You know, I remember his famous quote was he he wanted to spread his wings, and I was kind of taken aback that spreading your wings was, was going to Arkansas and and falling on your face and leaving a quality <laughs> program like Wisconsin. But uh, if that's what you think is is improvement, uh, I, I I guess you can't blame him. But uh, I I know there's a lot of animosity in the fan base towards Bielema, and of course uh, the the Jen Bielema tweet karma always resonates with Wisconsin fans. But you got to give a, you know some credit to him. He did win a lot of games, and, and he was that you know that predecessor or you know the follower to Barry Alvarez, which is a tough job to take over when you think about what what Alvarez did for this program and and just totally turning it around. So uh, we we all love to knock him, and, and how could you not? You know, given given what happened. But at the same time, he won Wisconsin a lot of football games, and you've got to give him you know, some of that respect. But uh, he certainly brought some criticism uh, onto himself uh, w- with the way he left and, of course, that, that ever-famous karma tweet. Now, would you credit him with building the foundation of what Wisconsin football is now, or does all that still go to Barry Alvarez? I think that all still goes to Barry, but I, I really think that uh, you know he— Alvarez certainly laid the foundation, but I always like to say you know, Alvarez laid the foundation, but but Bielema kind of put that roof on and, and completed uh, what we see today. And you know the, the Badgers tried to get away with it, you know, get away from you know that style of play for a little bit with Gary Anderson in those couple seasons, and that really didn't work. And, and now you've, you're back to you know a guy like Paul Christ, who I I think is the perfect coach for Wisconsin. Uh, you know, given his history, you know, his love for Madison, you know, he's always been a Badger, and you need a guy like that to lead this program, someone who's, who's truly and, and wholeheartedly committed. So, uh, I, I, but you got to give credit to Bielema for keeping that program and, and filling into some really, really big shoes. Do you think that Paul Chris seemingly, like, I think he's always made it at least known, at least from my perspective, that he's wanted to coach at Wisconsin and be the head football coach at Wisconsin. Does that give him a longer leash if, 
for whatever reason, the things were to to go south or not kind of get over that hump. Uh, we said we were talking about this with Fran McCaffrey last week when we were doing our basketball preview, how he kind of resurrected the program from like really, really bottoming out with uh, Todd Licklider. But and so we think it might give him a little bit of an extra leash. Do you think the same thing holds true for Paul Christ? Yeah, I mean, I have never really thought about it too much, but I would have to think so. I mean, given given that this has been, you know, what he calls his dream job. Obviously, he's he's from the Madison area. Uh, he's lived there now, played at UW, and always wanted to get back here. And of course, when he left for Pittsburgh, you you always kind of thought that if there was ever an opening, you know, when that job came open, you know, people were debating on who it would be. But in the back of your head, you already knew who it was going to be. And, you know, you knew that Chris was going to come back and, and lead this program. Uh, but I would think it would it would give him certainly a longer leash given given how committed he is to the program and given you know how uh, you know how, how fans see him. I'm I'm a huge Paul Chris fan and a believer in him. I know some fans aren't, but uh, yeah, that's that, there's definitely a difference. Uh, but I can certainly see how that would you know allot him a longer leash that way. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, even from Iowa City, just the, his attitude towards everything is is it's refreshing actually. Yeah, absolutely. Paul's a great guy. I got a chance to talk with him a little bit down at Big Ten Media Days, and you know, I, I really was a fan of him. He, he treated he treated the media members like uh, like human beings. He wasn't one of those some of those robot coaches that you see that that don't That's give any true. answers. <laughs> exactly. He was candid and you know and open and, and talking. And unfortunately, PJ Flack was the same way. I talked to him you know, quite a bit, and you know, Wisconsin fans don't like to hear any love for him, but you know, he, he was, he was a really nice guy too. Neither so, do uh, Iowa fans. We feel the <laughs> same way. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's tough to, to be, be a supporter of BJ Fleck in that regard. When, when you know, you know, how much animosity comes out of uh, the Wisconsin fan base towards him. All right, let's do a little over under action for this game, Tyler. How about it? Let's do it. I love, right. I love some sports betting. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. All right. Our our offensive line has struggled against good teams this year, uh, against Michigan and against Penn State. We had pressure in our face the entire game. It was ugly to watch. Going off that, we set an over-under for Wisconsin sacks this week at two and a half. What do you think? I would I would say over. I, I think just Jim Leonard's you know, philosophy is always to bring pressure in that you know in his defensive coordinator position. I think he's one of the best at scheming that pressure up. And Wisconsin's gotten a lot of production out of out of Zach Bond on the outside. And, you know the other side of Bond, uh, you know, has gotten opened up simply because you know guys have to key uh, over on him, and that opens up you know the middle linebackers and Chris Orr and Jack Sanborn, and, and it gives you know some other guys some opportunities. So. Uh, just given the way that that Leonard brings pressure consistently, I, I would have to lean over. Uh, just just given his philosophy and the way he tries to attack uh, his defensive mindset. Yeah, I would say over as well. Looking at how the offensive line has looked against good teams, like we said, let's jump on the other side of the ball. We will go with Jonathan Taylor rushing yards over or under 130 rushing yards for Mr. Taylor. You know, I'm I'm actually going to say under on this one, and I know a lot of Wisconsin fans will be disappointed maybe to hear that if they're listening in. Uh, but just given the way that Wisconsin's ran the ball, now granted, I I, I think some stuff has gotten cleaned up in this bye week. Uh, you know, in, in Paul Chris Presser on Monday, he said that they, they went back to the drawing board and looked at the things that, that they did well early in the season and the things that uh, they hadn't done the well these last two weeks and tried to figure out if they were trying to do too much or if they were doing too little. So hopefully some of that got cleaned up. 
but we saw it last year where you know Iowa made Wisconsin throw the ball to score points, and I think they're probably going to have that same philosophy. So Taylor's certainly going to need to get close to that mark uh, for Wisconsin t- to feel comfortable in this game simply from a drive perspective and time of possession perspective. Uh, but I- I'm going to say under for right now until I see differently uh, from this Wisconsin offensive line that I know has a sour taste in their mouth after these last three performances. Uh, Tyler, what has to happen for Wisconsin to win and what can't happen or else Wisconsin will lose? I think, you know, it kind of goes back to that same question where I really think Wisconsin has to has to run the ball better than they have these last few weeks. Uh, And I know that's going to be a struggle, but I think that's more so to sustain drives and take some of that time off the clock. Now, I know Iowa doesn't want to play with any speed. You know, Wisconsin and Iowa play with that same style. Uh, but I, I think you've got to control the clock and control the ball. Uh, but I think to, to win this game, you, know, you you expect Jonathan Taylor to kind of get taken away and get keyed on. So I think Wisconsin really has to you know take advantage and go to uh, some other players and get the ball into some other playmakers' hands. I mean, you think about uh, this Wisconsin receiving core. You've got guys like Danny Davis and AJ Taylor, well-known names. Uh, that you know, that most Iowa fans are probably familiar with too. So you've got big name receivers, but they haven't really seen a lot of action. And I know part of that is, is simply leaning on JT. But at the same time, Wisconsin hasn't thrown the ball as well of late. So if you want to uh, win this game, I think you got to get the the ball into some other playmakers' hands and get more creative. And then what can't happen is is kind of goes off of that. You can't uh, you can't afford to you know play conservative. We've seen aggressive Paul Christ. At points in this season, we've seen ultra-conservative Paul Christ. Uh, I think, you know, when the season's on the line, the West Division's on the line, I think we're going to need to be more aggressive like they were in that Michigan game uh, and take some chances and and see what happens because you can't just rely on, you know, two yards in a cloud of dust every time to get get wins in this league. So we'll get you out on this, Tyler. Uh, give us your prediction for this game and uh, and what you think. Who's going to move on in the Big Ten and West race here to to uh, battle Minnesota? Yeah, you know, I think this one is going to be a classic Iowa Wisconsin, you know, slugfest. I do think there'll be a little bit more points than than people are getting getting credit for. I I know the total was at 38 last I looked, and I think it's still around that. It's uh, right there. I, I just pulled it right up. Right there. Yep, and that's. That's the one's a low. I don't think it's the lowest of the week given Northwestern and Purdue's matchup it's, and how it's ugly. now lower. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, wow. That's that's surprising given how uh, how ugly Northwestern has looked. I'm sorry, Pat Fitzgerald. I don't mean to take a shot at you, but you take. You don't a shot have at to Mil- apologize <laughs> on this show. We hate Pat Fitzgerald. <laughs> <laughs> he takes shots at millennials, and I'm a millennial, so I'm, I'm going to take my shot back at him. <laughs> but uh, I had Wisconsin uh, down as 24-17, but I really think it's going to be. A couple plays here or there that decides this one. I mean, you think to the game last year, obviously Iowa really should have won that football game. The turnovers really bit them with those special teams and that interception. Uh, so whatever, whatever team makes less mistakes is probably winning this football game. And, you know, I hope Wisconsin has cleaned some of their stuff up to, to win it for them. Uh, but uh, I think it's going to come down to just a couple plays. But I, I'm a little biased, so I'm going to say Wisconsin 24, uh, Iowa 17. <laughs> Well, that it makes sense. We hope you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Tyler is over at Bucky's Fifth Quarter, uh, SB Nation's Wisconsin blog. Thank you, Tyler, for joining us uh, this week, and uh, worst of luck. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I would say the worst of luck to you guys, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it, it's a ton of fun, and uh, thank you guys uh, for letting me join you.
We mean with Absolutely. all respect. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a good one. You too. Thanks, man. You too, Tyler. Thanks, buddy. All right. Well, thanks again to Tyler for uh, for joining us this week. It was nice to kind of get a guest on Spoko Radio. To our talk. first guest, baby. How exciting. Our first guest, our first guest over here on the new Spoko 2.0 from our previous endeavors as, as a triumvirate over here. Uh, but guys, we gave Tyler a couple over-unders to help preview this game. And that's how we figured we'd preview the game, just the three of us. We talked about how confident or unconfident Champ and Jerry are going in this week. But let's kind of see how they feel if we put some numbers, some more numbers to it. So... Take that bet. We've got one, two, three. We got six over-unders here to help preview this game. And uh, we'll kick things off with this, with the ever-polarizing Nate Stanley. Nate Stanley over-under 240.5 passing yards on Saturday. Jerry, we'll start with you. Over. He's going to finish with four touchdowns and 325 yards. Book it now. Okay. Champ, you are choosing to be a realist this week. What's the realist attitude going into this game? People should literally be blowing up Jerry Sherwin's Twitter with how ridiculous this these takes that he's been on Nate Stanley the last few weeks have been. He has predicted multiple weeks in a row that he's thrown for four t- touchdowns in each game. And I don't even think he's combined for four touchdowns in, the, in t- all the entirety of those weeks when he started making these predictions. T- slam the under on this. Nate Stanley is shit on the road. And until he proves otherwise... I will take the under on passing yards. At I'll say he doesn't even get over 200. I mean, in Jerry's defense, he has to be right eventually. <laughs> yeah, well, Nate Stanley's career is coming to an end, so it better happen soon enough. So we said that at a 240 yards. Maybe this was too low because he's only not done that one, two, three times this season. He's thrown for over 240 yards in every other game this season. DC, he, would you like to elaborate on which three games those were? Sure. No, don't. Actually, I think this is going to be surprise champ a little bit. Champ, do you have a guess, actually? Uh, Iowa State, uh, okay. Penn State, and Michigan. You are wrong. You were right, on, I, you were right on Iowa State. I'll give you that one. Two more. It, it's uh, it's Northwestern. He didn't throw very well against Northwestern. Correct, Jer. North, Recency bias, champ. Come North on, baby. And Michigan. It's got to be Michigan. Rutgers. Nailed it. Wow. So, I mean, maybe he that's too low. He threw for over 240 yards against Michigan. He threw for 260 yards against Michigan. That was the problem against Michigan, though. They moved it back and forth all day long, and then they got stuck. And that was not Nate's fault. He threw for the most yards he's thrown all season against Penn State. Yeah, and they scored, what, 13 points? Pathetic. 12. 12. Yeah, that's embarrassing. <laughs> but that's what I'm – so I think it's over. I don't know if that does any, has any indicative indicta- – I can't speak – indicative of how this game's going to go, but I do think he's going to get the over. Woodshed 2.0. I'm telling you all I'm going to be right this time. Okay, we'll see. We'll see if Jerry is. All right, so these are the ones we asked Tyler – to help us preview with the Wisconsin angle. So over under two and a half sacks for the Wisconsin defense on Saturday. Champ, you kind of hinted that you're taking the over this week, but uh, care to elaborate why? Yeah, I'm going to take the over for sure. As Tyler said, 
Jim Leonard and the Wisconsin defense likes to bring pressure. There's nothing that I'm sure they've watched the game film against Penn State and Michigan where both of those teams were bringing pressure the entire game and getting to Nate Stanley. Well, he got sacked twice against Penn State. It, he got hit a shit ton against Penn State. He got rid of the ball, which to his credit was a good job, but he also got hit a lot against Michigan. I think they had about seven or eight sacks. So I think that it's going to be over. I, I would put it at around four or five sacks for the Badgers. Okay, Jerry, what about you? I'm going to take the under, but slightly. Here's why. So since Michigan, the interior of the offensive line has put really good uh, game film on tape. They have solidified themselves and Bryanson some things to make sure that either Tyler Goodson or um, Makai Sargent staying in there to make sure they're protecting Nate. On top of that, we just heard Tyler tell us that they don't have the same type of athletes as a Michigan or Ohio State, and that's what sets them apart. So you're going to tell me that Michigan's athletes – are on the same level as Wisconsin's, I don't believe it. I think Iowa's had plenty of time to solidify this line and to come up with a good game plan to keep Nate upright. So I'm going to say under on the sex. That does not mean he's going to be not going to be pressured or hurried, but I don't think they're going to get to him. I think Nate's going to make really good decisions in his last game in Wisconsin, his home state. So I was going to say the under, and then we talked to Tyler, and Tyler scared me into taking the over because I feel like Jim Leonard's going to scheme up stunts, scheme up ways to pressure the interior of the offensive line for the Hawkeyes and I just don't know if they're <laughs> if we're gonna see a a much improved uh inside front for the Hawks going in this game so I'm gonna take the over slightly we'll put it at three um but uh, Tyler definitely scared me to take the over there all right next up Jonathan Taylor over under 130 rushing yards I set this at 130 because in the Illinois game and in the Ohio State game, Wisconsin's two losses this year, he was either right over 130 yards or significantly under in the case of Ohio State. So I set it over there, kind of getting indicative. If you can keep him there, you got you might have a chance of winning. So, Jared, what are you going to take? It all depends on what this game plan really is. Is it you? Is it you're going to take the LeBronathon type approach to it? and let Jonathan Taylor get his and just make sure that anytime Jack Cohen has to make a decision, you shut him down? Or are you going to try the thing you did last year and make Cohen beat you and just shut down Taylor? I think they're going to go with that option again, so I'm going to say under for Jonathan Taylor. Champ, what about you? I also am going to say under. I think they're going to make Jack Cohen beat them. I think they're going to load the box up against Jonathan Taylor, and I think they're going to, they're going to force Wisconsin to throw the ball. That may not work. It didn't work last year, but I think that's what they're going to go for, and I think that's the best way they can try to win this game is to neutral, try to neutralize Wisconsin's best player on both sides of the ball. So I will take the under as well. I'm taking the under as well. I think both of these defenses are so good against the run that even if I was not completely selling out against the run, they're going to do what they normally do and hold running backs down a little bit. Both teams hold running backs to under 100 yards per game. I was eighth in the country. Wisconsin's fifth in the country. So it's going to be the team who can figure out how to move the ball, score, score points without running the football. But I do think Jonathan Taylor is going to stay under 130 yards on Saturday. All right, we're going to go to Jared's boy here. His breakout, his breakout boy, Sam Laporta, over under... Two and a half receptions for Sam this week after his seemingly breakout game against Northwestern. Jerry, we'll go with you. The over. This is this was one of the most crucial things 
for Iowa to have developed against Northwestern is finding that tight end that they've missing all season long. How do you beat a very disciplined team? You you run the football first and foremost, and then when you play action, you roll Nate out, you have that tight end that's athletic like Laporta over the middle of the field. You find him, you move the chains. You keep the chains moving, you hold on the ball, you beat Wisconsin. Laporta's definitely going to have, I would say, at least four catches. Okay, champ, what about you? I agree. I think it's over. I think they found something in Sam Laporta against Northwestern. He had a big game. Could have even been a bigger game if the refs would have called that beautiful play that he made a catch. It should have been a catch, but that's neither here nor there. But I like Sam Laporta. He showed a lot to me in that Northwestern game. And we know that Nate likes to throw the ball to his tight ends. He hasn't had very much success this year doing that because the tight ends just haven't performed but I think Laporta is going to be a nice little late season weapon for Nate, and I, I'm going to take the over as well. I'm going to take the over as well. I think Brandon Smith being out is a, is a big factor. Why? And I I think as you get into November, you know the the old adage is that Iowa Kirk Ferentz teams find their legs in November, they become more dangerous. And I I think in the case of this and Tyler Goodson, who we're going to get to in a second, and Sam Laporta. I think Brian Ferentz company might be finding the guys who they can kind of rely on who maybe aren't being game-planned against, like an Amir Smith-Marset, like a Makai Sargent, like, you know, other guys on the offense. Those These types of guys who kind of come up late in this season can can be big difference makers when you need them the most. So I'm going to go with the over as well. All right, Tyler Goodson, We just I just alluded to him. Scott Docterman had a piece in the athletic that it's basically time for him to give him the feature back for the for the Hawkeyes. Over under eleven and a half touches, overall touches for Tyler Goodson this weekend. Champ, we'll start with you. I really hope that Brian Ferentz read this wonderful piece by Docterman in the Athletic. It was a very well written piece with video evidence to go along with this uh, the article, and it should be the over. If Brian Ferentz knew anything about this offense, it's to get their best playmaker right now, the ball in his hands, and that's Tyler Goodson. I don't care if you got to throw it to him out of the backfield. He needs to have at least 9 or 10 rushes as well. This number needs to be around 15 to 18 touches this game if I was going to go into Camp Randall and get the W. So I will take the over for Tyler Goodson. It should be 15, 16, 17 touches. All right, Champ Berger, what do you say? I literally have nothing to add. The champ is finally, for the first time in this entire show, making some sense. Tyler Goodson <laughs> needs to touch the ball, baby, and get him the ball. Get him the ball. I'm with you guys as well. He needs to have a significant impact. The reason this might be kind of low is because he's a freshman. We know what the Ferentz, the Ferentz eye are like with freshmen in big games. Dumb. Especially on the road. So that's the one thing to look out for is not him getting in his own way. But the coach is getting in their own way and yeah, leaving him on the sidelines when they need to. Let's get him a couple touches before the end of the second quarter like it took a couple weeks ago against Northwestern. That was utterly ridiculous. He needs to be in the game from start to finish and getting consistent touches. I'm with you, champ. All right, and then the ever-elusive 100-yard rushing stat for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Over under 100 rushing yards. Take your pick. Champ, we'll start with you. I think Tyler Goodson alone this week is going to rush for over 100 yards. That's how confident and I, I, I am in him going into this game. I think I will losing. We haven't made our predictions yet. Don't worry about the losses. We haven't made any predictions yet. Let's not get carried away. Tyler Goodson's going to have 17 carries for a buck 15 and a tutty. Ooh. So I will take 
the over on Iowa rushing yards over 100 yards. All right, Shane, what about you? Champ, way to play the heel at the beginning of the show. I knew you were so full of your own shit. I agree. You mentioned mentioned The Rock, and it got me in that wrestling (laughs) mindset. I agree. I was definitely – I already think I was winning it. What's the recipe for Iowa winning? They run and rush over 100 yards. I don't know if Tyler Goodson's going to have as much as Champ says. I agree with the touches, but I do think that the combination of Torn Young, him, and Makai Sargent definitely gets in that 115-130 rushing yard uh, lane. So – Guys, I'm sorry to do it. I'm taking the under. Wisconsin's rush defense is still Wisconsin's run defense. They're still really, really good. And I just don't see that. I just don't see the the running attack being able to uh, crack that 100-yard mark. All right, guys. On that note, let's move over to some picks. We'll, we'll conclude with the Iowa-Wisconsin game. But uh, we'll kick things off across the Big Ten. We'll start with the big game in Minneapolis. Penn State going on the road to Minnesota. Penn State's a seven-point road favorite. Who you got, Champ? We'll start with you. I think it's the Nittany Lions this week. I think everybody's going to see the fraud that Minnesota is. I think Penn State's going to go in there and handle that game from start to finish. Both teams coming off a bye last week, so they're both very fresh. I I just don't think they have an answer for the playmakers on the Penn State offense. I think Penn State's going to go in there and win by a couple touchdowns, so give me the Nittany Lions. Okay, Jerry, what about you? Penn State all the way. This is the start of Minnesota's at least three-game losing streak here coming forward. Congrats to uh, Coach Fleck for getting that extension, though, before the – Calendar flip to November, and uh, and his schedule gets a lot tougher. I'm taking Penn State as well, laying the seven points. Next up, I think arguably the most disrespectful line of the week here. Illinois on the road at Michigan State. Michigan State's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Wow. Jer, who do you got? Oh, my God. I wish we'd go back to Atlantic City right now and bet <laughs> Illinois like we messed up and didn't do last week against Rutgers. Sorry, are you taking Illinois right now? hundred percent. I'm taking the fight and loveies all the way. Fight and loveies, who still have a chance to win in the West, by the way. Uh, but champ, who are you taking? I don't understand how someone could have watched these teams play in the last two to three weeks and think to themselves, "Yeah, Michigan State is a two more than two touchdown better team than Illinois." It's utterly ridiculous to me. It should be a single digit line. I think it should be under seven. It should be like a four and a half point line. Maybe even less than that three-point line just because they're the home team. These two teams are even to me. And and so 14.5 points is ridiculous. Illinois might win this game outright. So this line opened at 11.5 for Michigan State. So it's gone up. It's gotten even Suckers. More unbelievable. All right. Let's go from one ridiculous line. We're going to do a double, a double dose here. Purdue going to Northwestern. Northwestern's a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which is ridiculous. But the over-under on that game is 39-and-a-half. Give me your pick and give me the over-under on the total score here. Champ, we'll start with you. I'm taking Purdue. My, they're plus two-and-a-half or minus two-and-a-half? Plus two-and-a-half. That is so moronic. Purdue is going to hammer Northwestern. And give me the under because Northwestern can't score. I think it's going to be like 28-7 to Purdue. So it's going to be under, but it's going to be ugly. All right, Jerry, what about you? I'm taking Purdue as well. Aiden O'Connell, I believe is his name, the third-string quarterback who helped us seal a victory over Nebraska last weekend. I am forever in his debt. 
I'm rolling with Purdue in the points. That's a clean sweep for Purdue. And then we'll go to another ridiculous line in the Big Ten. Maryland on the road at Ohio State. Ohio State is a 43-and-a-half point favorite versus Maryland. Champ, who do you got? It should be 53 points. I mean, honestly, Ohio State is so much better of a team than Maryland. Maryland is hot trash. They showed that last week when they had their huge home game against Michigan and got smacked right from the opening kickoff when Michigan took it back for a touchdown. So give me a, give me the Buckeyes, the number one team in the nation, I might add. The Ohio State Buckeyes are going to go and smack around Maryland. I agree with that. Jerry, what about you? I also agree. It's a clean sweep yet again. Ohio State runs away and doesn't even hide. They just can't get caught. All right, let's wrap things up here with the game everyone cares the most about here on this podcast. Iowa going to Madison. Wisconsin also, again, another kind of disrespectful line. Wisconsin's a nine-and-a-half point favorite versus Iowa. The over-under also is 38, so it's even lower than the Purdue-Northwestern line. But um, who you got and uh, a little reason why. Jerry, we'll start with you. I'm taking the Iowa Hawkeyes, not only covering the point spread, but I have them winning outright. I have the over in this game. If you take all three of those things and a little trifecta for you all, you're going to come away with a lot of money and be very happy because Nate Stanley, in his again, going back to his home state for the last time, he's going to finally slay the Badgers. All right, champ, you have a lot. Uh, you've had, you said a lot of different things tonight. So uh, who's your pick and why? So Nate Stanley has been a constant, constant disappointment for me in his career as a Hawkeye quarterback. Going on the road, not being able to win big games. But this week is going to be different, boys and girls. Nate Stanley is coming out strong. He's going to have a huge game. He's going into Madison. He's going to shut up all the doubters. He's going to go in there. He's going to have a big game. I was winning this game 27 to 24 on a last minute drive by Nate Stanley down the field in his home state for an Iowa victory, and it's going to be beautiful. Champ, just going full heel from the beginning of, of this episode this week. I he couldn't even make it 50 minutes. <laughs> I'm also taking the Hawks. Take them outright on the money line if you if you can get it. If you can bet it, you can't do that in Illinois, so we're sad. Um, but <laughs> kind of what Champ said. It's and everybody everybody else it's says time. Nate Stanley, he he owes it's he's due for a road performance that kind of leaves everybody saying this is the guy we sh- should have had more of. It's home state, he's a senior, it's time to do it. I'm going to go 17-13, though. I'm going to keep it very low scoring. But Nate's going to leading a game-winning touchdown drive in the fourth quarter to uh, launch the Hawkeyes firmly in the Big Ten West discussion to finish the season with Minnesota the following week. Guys, anything else from you two before we wrap the show this week? I can't wait for this game. It's going to be so exciting to shut up all these doubters. Nate's going in there, baby. It's going to be a great win, and I was going to be – well on their way to representing the West in the uh, Big Ten Championship. And I look forward to seeing how much sushi you all eat in happiness when it's all said and done. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. For Tyler over at Bucky's Fifth Quarter, for Champ, for Jer, I'm DC. Again, guys, hit us up on Twitter with uh, your quotes for the basketball season. 
And we'll pick the winner and give an Amazon Echo Dot. Send your uh, sushi-loving reviews to the Shy People's Champ on Twitter to uh, win an Amazon gift card from Jair. And we'll talk to you guys again next week. Hopefully we're, this, this optimism follows through on Saturday or else Saturday's post-game show is going to be quite the show for you all to listen to from the three of us. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. It's time to be great, Brian. Trick or treat, Iowa City. (laughs) If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.